everybody, this is Patrick, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Misfits Guide to Adventuring. With me, today, is Nate. Hello. And we also have Matt. Howdy, everyone. How are you guys today? Okay. Beautiful day out. It's surprisingly nice outside. Oh, finally, nice weather. I cannot wait for the days where I can just go mow my lawn. That wouldn't be my first choice of action in the nice weather, but, you know, you do you, man. I want to mow my lawn, so if anybody ever walks on it or their dog's trying to poop on it, like, get off my lawn! If I happen to look out the window at that time. Had my first bonfire of the year, burning a bunch of branches and limbs from my yard. Nice. Nice, nice. I wish I had a yard big enough for that. I don't. I do not miss having a yard. What? I do not miss it one bit. I grew up in a massive yard that was like a 45 degree angle hill. Our neighbor across the street tipped over a riding mower and it caught on fire one time, trying to mow his like less than 45 degree hill. So he rolled, he rolled a one. So... Not good memories of lawns. So you don't miss lawns in general. You miss you don't miss steep lawns. I don't miss mowing the lawn at all. <laughs> I mean, flat, flat's fun. No, I mowed the flat part and I still didn't like it. Oh man, I love sitting out on my zero turn mower and just having a few beers. There's nothing more fun than riding a lawnmower with a buzz. Do you have one of those hats like to hold the beers in there and you get the straws no, going down? No, no, I got a I got a cup holder on my lawnmower. <laughs> Actually, kind of. You think it would need? I gotta put one on my push mower. I can't do anything carbonated because it shakes so much it just like fizzes the drink up. But beer's fine. If anybody out there listening to this can think of a way that I could put a cup holder on my push mower, please send me an idea. Oh yeah, yeah. They got those cup holders that have a really strong clamp that you can put on the side of tables. I bet you could clamp it on the handle of your push mower. Just get the hat. You already solved this problem. Yeah. I don't want the hat. I'm already wearing it. Why not? I can't put a hat on top of a hat. You yeah. can take off one hat and put on another hat. Duct tape one to your bill your hat and have a straw. <laughs> I've tried doing the lawn mowing part with like one hand on the mower, one hand with the beer. No, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Hey guys, now there's only two of you. We're gonna have odds and evens. I have a D twenty. Nate, your odds. Yeah, I am. Matt, you're even. What do we got? That's a twenty. A nat twenty. Matt, what um, happened last time? It's a mat twenty. It's a mat 20. So last episode, I believe we boarded the ship to, um, they were taking us down to the uh, Pline Farm, right? That's where we're supposed to be going. Is that correct or no? No, going to Pline Farm was the original plan of the group to go for whatever reason you guys wanted to go down there. But now you're in this head to Sestoria. Down to the uh, prime focus, though. Well, that, that's where you wanted to go, but you're... That's where we understood. We don't know we where we're going. We thought that's where they were going because she said, we'll take you down there or something. She was tempting us with what we said we wanted. Who knows if that's where we're going, but we uh, we boarded the ship. We got shown to our quarters. Didn't really give us much of a tour. We uh, said, of course, goodbye to Tina prior to that. And um, as she went off with Bear back to Belthoria, Gimlet still with us. Uh, we pretty much had a little bit of a conversation with, um, not Jane. What's uh, Tina's mom's name? Kara. Kara, I should remember that. That was an ex-girlfriend. Kara Dean Radnott. That should be easy to remember. And um, she left us for the evening. We were going to head to bed. Um... Lyndon, I believe, was doing some meditation last we left as uh, Resden laid down to fall asleep. 
I don't think anything else major happened last episode unless I'm missing something. Nope. Pretty much that was it. So yeah, I'm getting ready to go nighty-night. Yeah, and uh, as you guys take to the skies inside of this massive metal multi-level moisture-ridden monstrosity that's mounted the sky as it takes flight, with the sounds of steam streaming through the pipes in your room that you are currently held up in, uh, the emotions of everything that happened you know, previously are kind of still within your minds and your hearts. And uh, unsure of the amount of time you have till you reach whatever your destination is going to be, it's just you three in this room. Yep, so I pretty much was sleeping. So Resident had already gone to sleep. Okay. Trying to, yeah. I think that's where we left off. Because Lyndon had said he wanted to meditate for a while. Yep. Lyndon had started to medica- meditate. Meditate. Focus. <laughs> meditate or medicate or both. <laughs> Lyndon had started to meditate and uh, couldn't focus and got out his notebook and was sketching a young female tabaxi cocra. Okay. That's your own personal thing. No need to roll a... A check on that one. Gimlet is next to you. Uh, you were just kind of sitting in this propped up chair. Resden is laying down in the in the one bed that is in this room. Gimlet's just kind of plopped down on the floor. Time. Go- How long do you spend uh, doodling and drawing? Probably a couple hours. Okay. Lyndon, as you uh, begin to doze off and your eyes get heavier and heavier, your head kind of. Begins to tilt to one side. Uh, you try to fight it off. And as you open your eyes, because you, you want to finish this drawing. There's something you want to put into this drawing. You kind of open your eyes. And Resident Staff is just kind of leaned up against the wall behind him. You see the eyes begin to glow yellow. Almost like the slightly off-colored eyes of Resident. Can you roll a uh, wisdom saving throw? Ten. Okay. Um, with that ten, the glowing light that you were looking at through these eyes begins to get brighter and brighter. Uh, the glowing light overtakes you, and your vision is slowly pulled towards these eyes, kind of like a tunnel. Like there's a bunch of hula hoops in a row, and it just begins to pull you and draw you towards it. You just seem to be getting closer and closer to it. Everything around you, all the steam, all the mechanics of the ship just begin to get louder and louder and louder. And then all of a sudden you hear the static. And then silence. You're not sure if you're in a dream state or what, but you... You just don't know. There's no feeling, there's no nothing. And then, your eyes open up and you find yourself in this tent, about maybe five, six feet away from this young little child, about five years old, laying on a cot inside of a small tent. Almost exactly the same distance you were away from Resident, if you think about it. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. Thirteen. Everything in this room looks like it is compact. It can fold up. It can be wrapped up easily. The inner workings of the tent that's above you, it all looks like it could just be folded up in a a moment's notice. And as you're looking around, you see uh, the flap outside just kind of just flapping by. As the tent openings flap within the light breeze, you can see on the ground shadows of people moving around, and you see a hand reach through the tent flaps and pull them apart. 
and you see a beautiful woman enter and she enters she sits down on the side of a cot alongside of a little child she places her hand on his shoulder and leans in and kisses him on the forehead it's time to get up my little sparrow you don't want to get Dante angry again for being late and Resin this is you on the cot you said five years old yep about five years old um, I don't want to. Come on, honey. You remember what happened last time? We don't need him getting mad again. You know he's your favorite, and you're his. He's not going to get mad at you. I don't like working on the shoes. You know I want to work on the jewelry. Uh, well, I have heard that you're supposed to start that today, so you don't want to be late. Oh, that's right. As I kind of perk up, I wipe the sleep from my eyes and brush the dust from my body as a it's quite dusty here in the desert even through the tent flaps uh, hop in put my sandals on and put my uh, overshirt over my dusty white undershirt and hop up and oh uh, do we have anything to eat uh, th- there's a couple of the rations outside I'm up why don't you just and as she says this hey that jewelry ain't gonna shine itself. You got a long day ahead of you, kid. You got five minutes. Rise and shine. Move your behind. <laughs> and you see this big blue dragonborn enter. He doesn't care what is going on inside this room. He just enters like he owns the place because he kind of does. Morning, Celeste. Your uh, client from last night let it left a tip. You both see him drop her two gold pieces on a table. <laughs> Repeat customers are always a great thing, aren't they? <laughs> and Lyndon, you are absolutely frozen in this exact same chair, with your head just kind of slightly tilted to the side, hands on the armrests. You cannot move. You see everything going on in this room. Do you try to say anything? Do you try to do anything? Can I speak? You can certainly try. I'll try. What do you say? Doc, excuse me. Go ahead and roll a constitution saving throw, please. 19. You're safe with that. As you start to open your mouth, you see these eyes in front of you just kind of glow, just like the ones that you were staring at from the staff. And your your voice is silenced. Lyndon's going to stop trying to say things. (laughs) I would hop up, and when Dante Merrick entered... I'm coming, Dante. Don't worry. Sounds good, kid. Be out here fast. And, Lyndon, as you're looking, you see the the tent flaps open up and everything goes white and then your vision just goes white. You now find yourself sitting in that same chair, frozen. Outside, as your vision comes back into focus, standing, or sitting outside in the middle of a desert, dunes surrounding not only by you and this caravan, but about... 10 to 12 carriages as you sit here. You hear this child give out like a eh, almost that of residence kind of standard sound. And you just kind of hone in on where you think that sound came from and you see residence sitting there at this little polishing wheel just kind of working on some jewelry. Just grinding a beautiful ring. And Resident, you, you you know you remember this as uh, like one of the first rings you were ever given. It was a beautiful platinum ring with a 
pearl as the main jewel with two rubies on the side. And Lyndon, you're, ex you're experiencing this whole thing as it's happening from Resden's memory, almost as if he was watching himself. Yeah, so I'm just focused on that and being real cautious with and deliberate with what I'm doing, not, not paying attention to anything around me. So, Resden, for a, for a brief moment, you, you do see a flash of light that does come from in front of you. It, it might have been like a passing caravan off in the distance. It might have been something, but go ahead and roll a... It's a dream sequence, but roll a wisdom saving throw. Uh, 15. You were staring straight ahead, and Lyndon, as you're sitting there, sitting in the same chair, frozen, it looks like he is staring you down, and as he blinks, trying to, like, get the some moisture back in his eyes, you can clearly see those same eyes from the staff appear a few times in Resident's eyes. He shakes it off, and he gets back to work. But you do see a very faint yellow halo still around them. And in the background, hey boy, we got a lot more to get done. If you expect to get paid this week, don't pop another jewel out. I'm working as fast as I can. You know this is a good piece. If you pop another jewel out, I'm going to pop you in the head again. You'll make your do. You always do. Yeah, speed it up before you lose sunlight. Yeah, yeah. Love you too, Dante. <laughs> Lyndon, as you're watching this, time seems to wax, you know, wax and wane. It, it'll speed up at certain times and it'll slow down at other times. But you're sitting here stationary in this chair. You see a couple days just go by in an instant. And then you witness the same type of work that Resin is doing. And a few days pass of you just sitting here. And time slows down again. Resin, you see this debonair gentleman stand in front of you. Hey, kid. I just gave Dante a batch. No need to rush. It's mine. If he gives you shit, you come see me. And you look up and you see this gentleman in a amazing long coat, gray-skinned tiefling, smile. You know, I'd rather have him cleaned up properly in a timely fashion instead of being rushed through. I'm paying for services. I expect the best. Speaking of, <laughs> I have something else to tend to. He extends his hand and says, Name's Quintus. I look up, kind of rub my hand. Uh, pleasure, sir. Um, I need, I'll do my best on him, I always do. You can ask Dante about my work. I know, that's why I came over here personally. Yeah, do a good job on those, especially that amulet. I'll personally give you a bonus. And it, as... Both of you see this amulet in Resden's hand. It is extremely intricate. It looks as if there are a bunch of different types of metals, such as gold, silver, copper, and platinum. We're all kind of dripped in certain patterns and then remelted so it would solidify into one. It still has a lot of uh, bumps and whatnot around it, but seems very important. Do I recognize any of the designs or the type of artifice used? From this distance that you're at, uh, you can roll a uh, history or something else that you would like to see fit with disadvantage. History is good. Yeah, it's a five. I'm not going to roll the second one. <laughs> it looks <laughs> impressive, the fact that all these metals are actually sticking together, but nothing you can really determine where it came from. But here you sit, 
watching Rezin do his work, day after day, just sitting in the same spot. Time feels for you like forever, yet everything around you is flying by. It seems as if you were here for at least two more weeks frozen in this one spot. You've watched various conversations happen in high speed and then slow speed with so many patrons and employees of this caravan. And then, one day you see everything begin to pick up and move out. It looks like everybody's beginning to tear down tents. They're folding everything up, putting tables away, putting everything on the carts. And you sit here with the sun beating down on you as everything speeds away. It feels like you were here for days, weeks, months with the sun beating down on you. The sun rising and the days over and over. I'm going to try to cast knock verbally <laughs> on the chair. Yeah, nothing happens. <laughs> I figured. It does feel that as you began to sink slowly into the ground and you wanted to try to cast knock, it pulled you and jerked you even further into the ground, even faster. And as you begin to sink into the ground, your feet, your legs, chest, shoulders, and then eventually your whole entire head, you just begin to suffocate, although you're not even breathing, into sand. And then nothing but darkness. It feels, once again, like a fucking eternity. And then... It just seems like a tiny little crack of light, like another flap from a, the original tent you saw Resin sleeping in just kind of emerged. And with that light, you see a, uh, a small silhouette of Resden. It shines as he's sitting on the edge of the bed, staring out to the light. And from outside, you can hear some voices. You hear what you probably would think that dragonborn. No, you can't take her. She, she's my best asset. He's my best courtesan. They're mine. I own them. Well, now, there are people after all. No one truly owns anyone. Now, do they? Tell you what. How much, uh, how much did they bring in for you on a good day? Uh, during this conversation, did Resin ever get up or did he sit there just listening this whole time? I would have peeked out the tent flap, kind of see what was going on. Yeah, you can see, uh, you can see Lyndon inside, frozen in that seat once again. Cannot. You can see your mother, Quintus, and Dante arguing. Did Resin ever chime in? Just kind of listening right now, trying to figure out what's going on. The, their conversation continues without even realizing that you're there. What do you think? You could buy them from me? Huh? Huh? I can't allow... And with that pause, that was 500 gold. For the both of them. Really. Ever since I came along, how much she bringing in for you anyways? Dante kind of strokes his spiky chin. Valpoint. Sold. And Resident, at this moment, you see your mother uh, kind of turn and begin to run towards the tent. Did Resident move back inside, or did he... No, I see her running towards me and kind of pull the flap open a little more and go... As she's running towards me, I can see... Does she look upset? No, she is. She has tears of joy in oh. her eyes, and she runs towards you. And she kneels down, and she says, We're free, my little sand sparrow. Pack your things. We're leaving as soon as possible. What do you mean? What? Where are we going? You know, Quintus, we are... We're going away together. 
I'm going to go get a home. Off on the coast. You don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to work for him. For, Don, for Dante. You don't have to be his slave anymore. We don't have to be. I mean, you know, I never minded doing that work. I'm, I just didn't like what you did. My dear, I... We won't get into that again. We're really leaving. As soon as you pack your things, we are going to be leaving. All right. Uh, I don't have much. You know that. Uh, give me five minutes. And Lyndon, as you are sitting here, time's, time begins to speed up around you again. Uh, it's slow at first as you watch Resden and his mother and also Quintus dismantling that whole entire tent, packing up and throwing everything into a horse-drawn carriage. And the last thing you see is Celeste which is Resden's mother's name, sitting on the back of the carriage. And Quintus is handing Resden the reins as he's sitting up front so he can pull the carriage. And then from that point, everything begins to speed up again. And again and again, that feeling of isolation sinks in. Days, weeks, months pass before your eyes. Night becomes day and day becomes night over and over and over. And slowly, the same thing happened, that chair that you're frozen in just begins to sink into the sand to your shoulders, your neck, your mouth, your eyes, and then eventually darkness takes over once again for what you feel is a lifetime. In a brief, sharp, bright, movie-like opening of someone walking outside and there's just sun in your face and you go blind. Lyndon, you are now sitting in front of what looks like a small little house on a coastline town. And outside of this little house, you see Resden and his mother tending to the yard. And then everything goes from light to dark again. And it just seems to fade like every 20 seconds where you get a glimpse of like a day in their life. You see Resident and his mother outside sitting on the porch. You see Quintus coming in and out, in and out. It appears that through what could be anywhere from like 200 to 400 various uh, transitions of this, you're watching their day, their daily lives just continue. You, you watch their daily lives just continue on as if it was some sort of a TV show. And with each one of these days that passes, your chair gets closer and closer and closer to the door. There's one occasion where everything begins to slow down. Where you see Resden almost... Possibly a teenager? Maybe a little older. He... You know, every day you see him leave, if he ever leaves... Gives his mom a hug, but this time it's longer. Resin, you remember this as the time that you left your house for a long time. A month, month and a half, whatever it might have been. With uh, Quintus? Quintus is on the cart, and you are saying goodbye to your mother. For the long journey ahead. Give her a big hug before I hop on the carriage or on the cart. Don't know how long we're going to be this time, Mom, but uh, I promise this time we're going to strike it big. We're going to find something good in one of these mines or ruins, whatever Quintus has planned for us this time. But it's he says it's quite a ways into the desert, so it could be a little longer. It's all right, dear. You have fun. I'll be here attending to the home and cannot wait for you to return. <sighs> Bring me back something nice. 
she says with the, the biggest smile, just, you see a little, a little tear drip down from the side of her face. She's happy yet sad. I will, Mom. I promise. We'll be back soon. Don't worry, it'll fly by. <laughs> I love you, my little sand sparrow. <sighs> I'm getting too old for that nickname, Mom. You know it. Would you rather I call you Rezzy? No. <laughs> I didn't think so, my little sand sparrow. Be good. Stay out of trouble. What am I going to do? <laughs> Love you. Love you too, dear. And, Lyndon, as you are watching this, you are maybe 20 feet from this door. Things go slow. It sounds like a very high resolution TV show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was very, very... Very bad wordplay on my part. <laughs> and, Lyndon, from this from this point of view, you see them take off, and everything is in real time for a very brief moment. The daytime becomes night, and then you have darkness upon you once again. It takes, once again, what feels like a lifetime. From within this darkness, you see a thin line of light on the left side of what appears to be a door opening inwards. You find yourself inside of the house that you have been looking at for so long, stuck at what appears to be a dining room table. Your chair is out of place from everything else. And in the doorway, after the door opens up all the way, you see Celeste leaning on the doorway, staring off into the distance. Days come in, days go out. Days come in, days go out. But this is the one scene that sticks with you. You can tell that day and night is coming from all the other various window treatments here. You're counting 10, 15, 20, 25 days or so. And then time slows down once again for you. As you see Celeste making her way to the door once again, just to peek outside. The door opens up a crack to allow some light back in. And now you can see Celeste. She appears to be hunkering over, almost ill. Trying to make her way to the door to see if her son and her... Unsure if he is or not, but husband. And you see her knees begin to shake and wobble as she falls backwards. Feet against the door still with a thin crack of light showing. And then everything else goes black except for that one little thin crack of light. Once again, it feels like an eternity for you as you were watching the day and the night travel back and forth between each other. And then you see a shadow. Resden, unfortunately this day, is a bad memory for Resden as he came home from a long journey to find the door cracked open a little bit. When you tried to push the door open, it didn't open. Try to push it a little harder. Mom? It moved just a little bit, but it feels like something is stuck behind the door. Mom, it's us. We're home. There's something in the way of the door. Quintus, I can't get the door open. Something's falling behind it or something. Hang on, I'm just grabbing the bag. I'll be there in a second. <sighs> Mom, 
I try to squeeze through as much as I can from the door and peek to see what's behind the door. And Lyndon, you see the shock on Rezin's face as he sees his mother is passed on the floor in front of the door. Mom? Mom! I try to squeeze all the way through the door. Mom, wake up! I manage to squeeze in, I assume, eventually, and then I'll just kneel beside her and try to, like, turn her face towards mine, and... Mom? I kind of tap her face a little bit. Wake up! I try to pick her up under the armpits and kind of pull her in. It's like, Mom! Lyndon, you were watching with nothing... You can't do anything. You know that you are capable of helping people in this in this way. It, 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 this is absolute torture for you, the fact that you cannot help somebody so helpless. And now you are watching what appears to be a memory of your friend going through probably one of the worst painful memories in his life. And then behind, Quintus walks in. What's going on? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. What happened? What happened? Get help. She, she's not waking up. Mom! And as I just, like, tears started to roll down his face. You see Quintus run off. And for you, Lyndon, everything goes black. Resden, what transpired after your mom passed? Probably a, immediately following, we got a funeral. Buried her behind the house in a little plot. I, uh... Stacked quite a few polished stones that I had around where her head would be on the gravestone. Piled up a bunch of unpolished, rougher stones around the perimeter and made a uh, wooden sign that just says, Celeste, a mother like no other that taught me how to be a man and spent a few days in town but then if memory serves I think Quintus was over his morning fairly quickly and within five days or so he wanted to get back on the road again to his next his next job his next travel and after several arguments with him I finally he finally convinced me Lyndon it feels like years once again have passed as you sit in darkness letting your mind run wild with everything that you've seen and this time that feels like forever what's been running through your mind Lyndon is consumed with sorrow, having been forced to watch this, not been able to do anything. He's trying to move, trying to speak periodically, failing, looking out at the darkness and just wishing that he had some way of processing this, that he could move, that he could sing, that he could draw, that he could do or experience anything other than perceiving what is around him. If he could cry right now, it'd be happening. And after all of this darkness that, once again, feels like years, 
the brightness just destroys your eyes as all of a sudden you are just exposed to nothing but daylight for the first time in what feels like a millennia. Resident, why don't you set the scene for everyone as you arrive at the campsite in the middle of the desert, getting ready to go... Would it exhume? What's the word I'm looking for here? A dungeon delve? Uh, yeah, yeah, dungeon delve. There you go. Arche- archaeologize. <laughs> archaeologize. <laughs> <laughs> a dig. By this time, I would have been in my late teens, possibly close to 20. Since my mother's passing, I would have um, become kind of like a partner more than an understudy with uh, Quintus, although he still was a firm kind of uh he tried to be a father figure in his own sense but it was more of a boss when it came down to it um he was fine unless i disagreed with him and he would come down hard on me uh and eventually i would start standing up for myself but several years of this and you know i i spent most of my time reading as many books as I could get a hold of, uh, old scrolls on history and ancient civilizations. You know, I I felt, you know, more confident that Quintus was just a means to an end at this point rather than I never really saw him as a father figure to begin with. Um, but I was just kind of starting to initially finally see that my time with him was probably coming to an end I just had to find a good moment to move on uh, if he if he let me yeah we 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 ended up making some uh, acquaintances for the our expedition team and we were getting ready to dive into this new ruin that we had discovered through uh, some information Quintus had gathered so, uh, you know, I was excited for that and ready to uh, check this ruin out because we, we hadn't found too many actual good leads on actual ancient ruins. And this was like one of the first times we'd found something this kind of exciting. And, Lyndon, as you're sitting there in this same chair, your head still cocked to the side slightly. What other uh, people are in this party at the moment, Resident, that Lyndon would be seeing? There'd be... A couple, like, um, hands that would kind of keep the um, animals in check, feeding them and stuff. But the two you would most notice is a... Uh, uh, Shula was the halfling. Who, yeah, the halfling who was kind of um, a guide that Quintus had found. And then a uh, female air genasi uh, sellsword that he had hired um, not too long ago. Uh, as almost like a uh, guard slash second hand aid when it comes to if they came across any trouble out in the desert as you sometimes come across nomads or or even creatures that might have to fend off occasionally but her name was Marion and um, but yeah that those were the two main ones that you would see and Lyndon, as you were just kind of scanning the area with your eyes, the, pretty much the only thing that moves on you, except your mouth, but you don't ever want to move it right now, because you just don't want to feel that the possibility of the pain that you think is going to happen. You see Resident begin to trek down 
into an area, along with everybody else up top. Resin, what type of area was this you were going down in? It was kind of a dusty, abandoned, mostly collapsed ruin of a structure. From the outside, you couldn't tell there was even a structure there, but it was kind of like, it looked like a cave entrance, but you soon discovered it. there was actually worked stone. And uh, we soon started seeing signs of uh, script on walls um, that I did not understand, but I recognized as some sort of, from seeing books, I didn't know how to read it, but I could tell and Quintus agree that it was some sort of lower planar language, abyssal or infernal or, or something like that. And that just increased our curiosity even more. So, Lyndon, as you watch Resden go out of view from your line of sight, your chair begins to pivot forward, and it just begins to tilt forward on its front legs and slowly push you face first into the sand as if it's just rotating on a 90 degree angle and just continually going and going and going and when you think that you're about to go into darkness once again you pop out hanging upside down from the same chair from a ceiling you see Resden crawl through the tiny little crack of a wall and uh, Resden, what does Lyndon see in this room? Um, well, Quintus had sent me forward because I was skinnier and also he didn't want to dirty his clothes or endanger himself by entering places, but I was young and dumb and loved doing it, so I didn't argue typically. Uh, but I climbed through this tight opening into a large chamber. Dark, but I managed to... Uh, pull my torch through and uh, from what I could see there was um, more of this ancient script scattered about on the walls some on the floor and in the middle there seemed to be some sort of stone table or 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 altar almost like a, you would see at the head of a, a church or something and um I was just like in awe as in like this is the coolest thing I'd ever seen so far and I just just started walking towards it slowly making sure I wasn't going to trip any traps or anything like that but Lyndon as you're watching this happen your heart begins to beat faster and faster and you can continue resident <laughs> but yeah I carefully approached the altar and Apparently, something triggered because next thing I knew was there was a flash of light 360 degrees around this altar uh, as I passed over this one point within so many feet of this altar, like within 10, 15 feet. And I just felt this energy hit me from underneath and flood through me. And I just, every line of script in the room began to glow with a green energy and the same light shone from the altar itself 
and it just a vibrating hum filled me and in my head and gave me just an intense dizzy feeling and tried hard to keep myself from toppling over but I still fell to my knees holding my head and I remember trying to yell out for Quintus I don't know if it even came out or if it's just a scream but you know I felt stiff and and all of a sudden I just attempted to turn around and crawl back towards the opening but something made me move towards the altar instead I couldn't control it and it said you in my head it'd be a good idea to just lay down lay down on this altar you'll feel better and it said take up that blade and release your own blood onto me and I did and personally I don't remember anything after that other than waking up and Lyndon as you watch this from hanging upside down frozen in this chair it begins to pivot the exact same way you came down here and exposed you to the night sky above sand just pouring down you as if it was like a bucket of water poured over your head well past midnight you see the campfire being stubbed out everyone is packing up you see some other people with quintus as most of them has re have retreated to the carriage quintus appears to be walking with sala the local guide the little halfling that you saw um, not too long ago, um, walking over into your direction, almost as if they are in your own personal space, but considering you're watching someone else's memories and dreams, you're not there. And with a moment, you hear Quintus say, well, we gotta make it look like if someone attacked us. Sorry, friend. And you see Sala look up Huh? With his throat cut, followed by a gargle, and you see a thin black blade cut across the throat, guided by Quintus, and his blood sprayed in your direction as if it was spraying on you. Sala's corpse just dropped in front of you. Quintus, almost as if he's chuckling, heading back to his carriage. If he ever sees the light of day again, and happens to see any of us, just tell him we were attacked and taken. Stupid kid will believe anything. And as darkness once again falls on you, and resin at the same time, you both wake up on the ship with a massive gasp of air as if you hit like this pocket that just dropped from the sky, shaking the internals of this ship, waking you from your slumbers. Oh, what was that? Oh god! Ah, ah, what the hell happened? Ah, I was asleep. Ah, ah. I just put my head in my sh hands and lean over the bed like in a sitting. As you do, a little bit of sand falls from your scalp within your hair and into your hands. What the f- Oh god. And Lyndon, you're not frozen to your chair anymore, you are 
free of movement. Linden is stumbling out of the chair, reaching for his dagger, reaching for his bow, not quite sure what to go for. The sketchbook tumbles to the ground. Uh, as you're as you're reaching and feeling, you do also feel sand pouring from various patches of your body onto the floor here. So the sketchbook tumbles from his lap, and the open page shows a sketch of Resden on this altar in this scene inside the tomb. Go ahead and roll a performance check for that. You want me to roll perception? Not yet. <laughs> 14. Good enough. In this moment, both of you can roll perception. 16. Uh, 17. Okay. Um, Lyndon, the last thing you looked at before you had passed out was that staff. And you see, tied around it, a little piece of twine with one of your feathers. And, Resin, you can also see this, but you also both see sand in each other's laps on the floor. What's, uh... What time is it? Oh, my head. You guys have only been sleeping for, like, an hour or so. It seems like we hit, like, something... Can you hit stuff in the air? Uh, what? We, we didn't leave too long ago. You guys just passed out. I was... Trying to go to sleep, but what are you, t- you what two are, you are twitching. Talking Both about you were moving a lot. Yeah, it's just a nightmare. It's, uh, just although it was pretty, pretty fucked up. Don't worry about it. I mean, get some sleep, Kimlet. Um, would I have noticed like the book on the floor with the picture open? Uh, yeah, with that perception check, you would have absolutely seen that. And I, I immediately I, like glance at it, and then I stop. I'm like. Reach down, pick it up, turn it towards me. Like, what? What is this? Did you draw this? Reston, I... I don't remember drawing but that. But... What? How, how did you come up with this? How did you know about this? Do I remember it? You remember it as if you lived it, and it was a thousand lifetimes, but it is embedded in your mind. So... Linden picks himself up off the floor, kind of, and I assume we're both crouched around the book and kind of touches Resden's elbow and tries to lift him up as well. I try to get up. My legs feel like they've just been asleep for four days. More sand, I assume, comes off of my chest. I'm like, um, yeah, I just had a nightmare, but this. I don't... What... Were you digging around in my brain? So you're immediately enveloped in a embrace of fur and feathers. What are you... What are you doing? What... Reston, I am so sorry for the things that have happened to you and that I couldn't... I saw so many things and I couldn't do anything about them and it feels like... It's been an eternity since any of this happened, but the, the pain you must have in, in the back of your mind, I, I've thought that any experience can be turned to something good, but that's there's nothing I can say to, to make any of that better. I don't understand. What do you what do you mean? that you, you saw I don't understand 
you, you've lost some important people in your life. Yeah, I have. I mean, I don't know. I didn't tell you about this though, and I like nod down to the picture. It's like this is this is something right out of my dream I just had. I was there in the if if you were experiencing that as well i was in there with you i just kind of look stare at him like just like dumbfounded uh go ahead get go to roll an insight 14 is linden trying to express that he actually lived his dream yeah okay you you absolutely believe what he's saying Oh, and I just like not even thinking about it, I kind of reach well he's kind of still got an arm under me I reach for my staff to kind of like not even thinking about it to grab it and support myself well, I want to knock that staff away what are you doing I I have I have a bad feeling about that artifacts Resden and Resden as you look over at it you do see that there's a little feather of Linden's tied right around the neck area of it. What did you do to it? What did, did you... I did not put that there. Gimlet? I don't know if someone was in here. I, I, Gimlet, did you see anyone? No, I was I was in and out of sleep. Nobody came in here. I heard a lot of noise outside, but no one came in here. I immediately kind of like go to the door and l- put my ear to it, listen to see if I hear anything outside. Uh, you just hear this, the, this hum and the constant steam running through the pipes. Other than that drop that woke you up, it still sounds like it did when you uh, made like the nice constant altitude flight. I want to quietly open it and peek out into the hall. Door's locked. Can't unlock it from the inside? There is no locking mechanism from the inside on this door. Son of a bitch, they locked us in. Oh, that won't be a problem in the long term, but it does mean that if anyone came in... Gimlet would have seen them, or they would have to be employed by the ship. By the hive. I don't think that staff has anything to do with the hive. I don't... I don't know what you saw. I, I, I don't know what you saw. I, But... Those were just... Memories. As just a dream. I don't know how you saw it. I don't know what you saw, how much of it you saw, but the thing that happened to me is why I am the way I am. And it was before I found that staff. So whatever's that staff is, it's not what made me... Maybe it's making things worse. I don't know. That's possible, I guess, but I was screwed up before I found that staff. Well, this, pointing at the book, this is where it happened, yeah. right? And, like, the memories flash through my head again, and I just shake my head. You do have the memories of when you saw other people down in that temple bringing the staff outside. Remember those flashbacks where you, uh, Resden, saw the visions of other people carrying the the same staff traded hands from time to time that was some time ago yeah you're not, you're not talking about the one we just like did I miss something you're talking about a pre- the previous kind of dream I had yeah okay yeah I, no I did forget about that Matt forgot about it <laughs> yeah it's coming back to me 
it is related to my knowledge. It I feel something with that staff that is connected to the people in that temple that we that I entered while Belloc stayed behind. And he killed he killed that poor that poor guide or someone did I don't that's all I, I remember exiting after my blood had dried the scab the, the wound had scabbed over I don't know how many days or hours it was but he was covered in sand by the time I got out there and it was many many months later after I already met Tina and her sister that I found that staff Whatever is happening to you, we certainly need someone of great skill and knowledge to address it. There's... And I don't know if the presence of that staff is healthy for you. I mean, it's... It's got... It's got something in it. I know that. I felt it. But I've got something in me, too, and I... I agree. We need to find something make sure I'm not going to at least have any more of those dreams because my head's killing me. So Pat you said there was writing on the like runes on the walls in this chamber that Resden where the altar was. Yeah. So Lyndon takes out a pinch of, of salt and soot from his spell component bag and sprinkles it over the sketch of the room. Okay. And it's going to cast Comprehend Languages. Oh. Did you actually sketch the script? Yes. I actually did also, since then, had learned Abyssal. I don't know if that's what it is, but since then, between then and now, I had learned Abyssal also, so I might even be able to read it if it's Abyssal to begin with. Or Draconic. Me as a DM wouldn't know what your backstory says on the wall, so... (laughs) Oh, that's up to you. Yeah, that's up to you. I didn't create it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Yuan-T would probably use lower planar language or possibly draconic. Draconic's a popular magical script. Hell, it could have even been dwarvish, but I doubt that. (laughs) I mean, we can call it abyssal for the sake of this, and then but but Nate Nate casts and starts to read, and I could maybe notice that it's legible to me now, too, although I didn't notice it when I first glanced at the book. And... We'll let you all know what that says next time on the Misfits Guide to Adventuring. I'd like to thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Misfits Guide to Adventuring. Nate, where can they find you? They can find me on the internets, on Twitter or Instagram at Nate Scott Jones. Visit me. Yeah, definitely visit them in the cats. Meow. And what about you, Matt? Also on Twitter at Longfellow underscore Matt. And you guys can also find me at... Professor PFM on the Twitters and Professor PFM or Professor underscore PFM on Instagram. You sure? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was, I had to take a breath because I remember last time I double checked. I was like, shit, there's an underscore. On one Are you on Tinder too? Which one was it? <laughs> that would not be under Professor He's getting PFM. it confused with his OnlyFans <laughs> yeah. URL. Oh, God. That's Professor PFM with all zeros for the O's. <laughs> While you're getting that mental image out of your head, just want to thank you all for joining us on our episode 
this week. If you want more Misfits in your life, you can follow us on Twitter at Misfits underscore guide. Please also give us a follow on our main group page at Cast O Many Things, where you can get notifications of all our other podcasting adventures we have in the works. All our episodes of Misfits Guide to Adventuring can be found by searching Cast of Many Things on iTunes, Podbean, or any other podcasting app of your choice. If you really enjoy our content, we'd love to see you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast Review or Podbean. We also welcome you to contact us by email, castofmanythings at gmail.com, or visit our Facebook page. The point is, we would absolutely love to hear from you all, our amazing fans. We'll see you all next time on Misfits Guide to Adventuring. And there's no other oh, outro. We still gotta come up with something. Okay, I like you. Sayonara. Sayonara.